Welcome to Mount Isa Birth Stories. This is a podcast for women who have birthed in Mount Isa to share their stories. We hope these conversations can help our fellow pregnant sisters feel more prepared for their birthing time. If you would like to share yours, please contact us on social media at Mount Isa Birth Stories. There is strictly no naming of our local nurses, midwives and doctors. Please note nothing in these episodes is to be taken as medical advice. Please see your healthcare provider if you have any medical concerns. Enjoy the episode. episode we have Lucy sharing the birth stories of her two babies Jackson and Olivia. Lucy's first birthing experience was incredibly tough and took a deep toll emotionally on her at the beginning of her motherhood journey. Going into her second birth she knew she didn't want a repeat experience and seeked to fiercely guard her emotional well-being through birthing powerfully on her own terms and that she did. Please enjoy. So yeah, so today on the podcast, we have Lucy and she's going to be sharing the stories of her two babies being born in Mount Isa. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's okay. So you've had two, is it a boy and a girl you've had? Yes. So our first uh, little boy, Jackson, um, and second um, newest baby is Olivia. Oh, lovely. Jackson and Olivia. And how old are they? So Jackson was three in November last year um, and Olivia is nine weeks old. Oh, so you've got a tiny, tiny baby. She is tiny, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Oh, lovely. Did you want to start with Jackson and how you got pregnant and all of that and pregnancy and how it treated you? Sure. Um, So we, my husband and I were married in May 2015. Um, He really loves kids. So basically wanted kids from the minute we were kind of serious dating. Um, So like uh, within the first six months, we did try um, to conceive. Um, I had been off the pill um, since before our wedding. So by late 2015, um, I had started to get like weeks of spotting and really like bleeding which um, coming off the pill, like, you know, could be normal, but I still went to my GP just to um, get it checked out. So I did get a bunch of tests um, and an ultrasound done at the GP where they had come back and he had said that I had PCOS um, and one of my ovaries um, had quite large cysts on it, which he said were probably preventing any eggs actually um, leaving the ovary at all. Mm. Um, from that, he had kind of said that, um, we would struggle to conceive naturally and suggested that maybe we look at IVF. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, we kind of, we had a bit of a, um, a look into it and we kind of figured like it was such a long haul, both like financially and, um, emotionally that Mm. we were going to like tick a few things off our list, I guess, before we would try to, um, go back down the IVF path. Yeah. And I think just the whole um, like pressure of trying to fall pregnant, obviously this is like the, you know, the typical story, the pressure of falling pregnant yeah. was lifted. Um, yep. And it was like four months later. So February, 2016, um, yep. we were pregnant. So oh, wow. yes, yeah, so I remember going back to the doctor, like our GP that I've seen for years. And he was like, he, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. He's a positive, a positive. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm positive. He's like, how many positives? I'm like, five positives. 
He's like, okay, I'm pretty sure you're pregnant then. Congratulations. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. It really so, is like a, um, not an uncommon story. Hey, like once the pressure's off and you kind of, yeah, must get into a different type of space. Yeah, and yeah I mean. Baby comes. From the beginning, like I guess most people view it as like a physical thing, like in, a, in order to fall pregnant. Um, but once obviously I was pregnant and like um, throughout like the rest of my pregnancy and postnatal, like it was really evident that, you know, majority of it comes down to like a mental, like how you are mm-hmm. mentally um, mm-hmm. and kind of how your body, I guess, will recept to have being pregnant and the pressure of being pregnant. So yeah, um, yeah literally like within the first few months, um, that pressure was lifted and yeah, we were pregnant. Nice. So yeah. Oh, lovely. Have you ever heard of um, conscious conception? No, but I it's, think that's something that I would be interested yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and it's not, um, and I'll butcher it, so I'm not going to try and explain it, but there's, it's a, like, would be considered woo-woo and all of that. But I feel like yeah. a lot of us intuitively do it and already know it, but it's really like about like psychologically, like preparing for your baby, talking to the baby, like before you're even pregnant and making that space in your, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like no, so that is all life. the type of things that I, they're all the type of things that I looked into like in the lead up and while I was pregnant with Liv and like Corey used to call, he calls me a gypsy all the time. He's like, you and your gypsy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, Cause I'll come out with something and he just like, will look at me. He's like, where did you get that? I'm like, oh, Liza and I were looking at it on Google. And then we were, and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it's all like, I feel like it's all harmless. Like what's the harm in yeah. Yeah. I think like it, it really, people do put, you know, a huge focus on it being like a physical thing and all oh, my body can't get pregnant. But I mean, it's really like a big part of it comes down to your mind and how like healthy you are in your mindset. So yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, oh, and I mean, it shows when people, you know, you take the pressure off being pregnant or falling pregnant and all of a sudden people fall pregnant. So yeah, definitely. And then of course there's always the the women who have just, yeah, no matter what happens, it just doesn't happen for them. And yeah, we're not talking about um, you guys like there's something mentally wrong with you and that's why you kind of no, baby. But no. just for, yeah, just for, you know, beginners into everything, I suppose it's an interesting mm. perspective to have, I guess. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I oh, love it. So how exciting to come yeah, from that thinking you're not going to have like any babies anytime soon. And then next minute, Jackson. Yeah. There. I mean, we were pretty devastated when we got the news from the doctor about, um, you know, struggling to fall pregnant naturally. Mm. Um, so, I mean, obviously, yeah, when we found out we were pregnant, we were super excited. Um, and I guess, though, we were both pretty young. So I was 24, Corey was 25. And yep. I think we're looking back now, we were very naive in terms of what the changes of having a baby would bring to our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as I'll go through like talking about it, like we were probably not as prepared as what we thought we were. Um, and we could have probably been a bit more prepared, um, to yeah. help with those like early months, um, postnatally. Um, yeah. and also like yeah. while I was pregnant. So, yeah. Oh, lovely. It'd be so nice to hear all of this. Cause I think, um, that's what I really loved about podcasts when I was pregnant, like just hearing other women's stories and them just reflecting on their own stories and, it's helpful for other women to hear it and what you think, you know, what you would have liked to have done differently. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, um, did you, so your GP, did they refer you to? Yeah. Um, so after I saw the GP and we did, I did a, obviously a blood test and I did a dating scan um, with yep. the GP. And then after that, when it all came back um, positive, there was a heartbeat and everything. 
yeah. I was referred to um, the Mount Isa based hospital um, through their public clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so at my first antenatal appointment, I was offered um, caseload midwifery, which at the time um, that's what it was called. Now it's called the MG, like MGP. Um, where I did have one dedicated midwife. So I went into it not knowing the differences in care. Um, I just assumed, you know, very naive. I assumed there'd be a doctor and a midwife and that was kind of it. Um, So when I was offered this um, MGP, as it's called now, um, I mean, it really, it was really something that I thought I would benefit from having one person to see. You know, I didn't have to try to explain my story and my, symptoms or something like that to you know multiple different people every visit and Mm -hmm. I did get to really know the midwife so she um you know I could be open with her about how I was feeling and she would kind of pick up on things like if I went to an appointment and I wasn't feeling great but I wasn't really saying it yeah Um, yeah so that was something that I think uh really um helped um and definitely when it's offered to women I think um can definitely have a positive um, impact on how they go into their pregnancy and also into their labor and birth yeah yeah absolutely so um, um yeah how often were you seeing them and did you get all the normal routine tests or was there anything you weren't keen on or no um, so I was very much a yes yes mother or yes woman in my first pregnancy yeah. so I basically was like oh the doctor has said this this is what I must get so I'm you know I must get this test done or I must have this internal examination like I was just very much again very naive and not educated um Mm -hmm. I was considered low risk though so I didn't really have any complications or risks um and the only kind of I guess it was a bit of a scare but not you know depends how you look at it um, mm-hmm. But I did have a growth and well-being scan at 32 weeks um, oh. to check the size of the baby and the fluids. So I'm quite a small person and I guess my belly wasn't overly big and um, this triggered some concern about how big the baby was or if there was still any fluid um, in the sac. Um, but, okay. I mean, the test came back fine. Um, yeah. And I was able to continue in the, um, the, like the rest of my pregnancy to my due date. Nice. Yeah. Um, and were you thinking about birth much when you're pregnant? I know most people probably think you do, but I think a lot of us don't really think about birth. <laughs> we're just kind of a pregnant, we bop along until it kind of happens. Um, were you yeah. preparing in any way or? No, I was so unprepared. <laughs> yeah. um, I kind of typical, like, you know, the way it happens on the movies or in a TV show, like I, that was me. Like I didn't watch any birth videos, like of live yeah. births. Um, I was super naive. I basically took the information that was given to me, which was a lot of information. Like there was nothing that I was never given. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was looking back, like obviously the information they give you, I find is based on um, a medical background. Like, Mm -hmm. like you said before, I guess in terms of like a spiritual or emotional kind of aspect, like it kind of just takes into consideration the medical side of it. Yeah. Um, which is why I think I just assumed that if a doctor said something had to happen, I just, it had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without really doing any research, um, of my own. So yeah. yeah, I guess I was given the information, but didn't do my own research into what implications or what alternatives were available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you somebody who had an idea of what you wanted to do like were you somebody who was like I'm gonna have a natural birth or were you like I'm gonna get an epidural once it gets 
like a bit much or were you open to yeah I didn't really have a plan as such Mm -hmm. Uh, I did plan on having a natural label like without any pain relief drugs yeah um I obviously typical um you know you fall pregnant you start following all these people on social media that are pregnant or have had babies yeah um and they you know they write about their natural drug-free births and how fantastically wonderful it is and how fantastically wonderful they are um and I guess there was this perception to me that it was quite easy so I saw the use of using pain relief drugs during childbirth um in some respect like you had I mean obviously I'm not against an epidural at all but in some respect I saw that you failed um Mm -hmm. so I guess that mind frame when I was pregnant wasn't overly healthy um, mm-hmm. and I did suffer from a bit of anxiety um, yeah. in my, preg- my first pregnancy. Um, so I guess that mentally wasn't, I wasn't in a great space. Um, but in saying that, I didn't really plan in terms of preparedness for breathing positions and things that would help, you know, progress the labour along or relieve any pain. Um, yeah. And just assumed that because I was fit and healthy before I was pregnant, while I was pregnant, that yeah. when I went into labour and birth, it would just be a breeze and I'd just manage it. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, hell, I was wrong, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The only kind of certainty I had in regards to like a birth plan, so to say. I mean, yep. obviously, I didn't want to have pain relief drugs. However, I was open to them if need be. Um, yep. But the only certainty that I had was the um, uh, administering, administering the Sintosin drug um, mm-hmm. as soon as the baby was born um, for the uh, physiological third stage. So yeah. I had this um, dying fear that I would bleed to death um, and yeah. I just basically wanted that placenta and everything out of me straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that yeah. was basically the only thing that I'd instructed the midwife <laughs> Um, don't even bother asking. This is my consent. Just give it to me. Yeah. 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 Lovely. Um, so you're like reaching the end of your pregnancy. Um, what, did you go over or were you going into labor before or how did it all start for you? So I finished work at 38 weeks um, and I had like one week of mater- you know, maternity leave. And I was your typical textbook nester. I literally yeah. rearranged and moved <laughs> something in every room of the house. Um, I was yeah. going, going a little bit stir crazy, but like it was keeping my mind busy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The end of that week, so I was 38 and six, um, mm-hmm. I started to get um, irregular contractions. I didn't actually realize that they were the contractions until I kind of felt a bit off all day and I rang my mom and I was talking to my mom and she was like, I'm pretty sure you might be in labor. Yeah. Um, and so I called the midwife, called my husband and we, it was a Sunday evening. So we went to the hospital just for a checkup because we were obviously first time parents. We were a bit, you know, yeah. concerned. We really didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent us home after just being checked out. And we went back to the clinic on a Monday morning. So the following day um, and the midwife offered a stretch and sweep. Okay. I agreed to. Um, mm-hmm. the, so she said 30, she could. Was it 30 was 38 and six? And six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been having the kind of on and off contractions for, you know, 24 hours. Um, mm-hmm. So she said, yeah, we can do this. It might try to just make things a little bit more regular. Um, she did say that she, like, I was obviously dilated and she could feel the sack at the time she did the stretch and sweep and said that she could um, actually have bursted it if um, she, you know, I wanted to. Okay. Um, 
we went about the rest of our day. We didn't really do anything different. I went back to the hospital again in the evening because um, I just didn't feel great. I thought maybe my waters had broken. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we got back to the hospital on the Monday evening, um, I was hooked up to a CTG um, G machine um, just to monitor the baby's heartbeat um, yes. and the contractions. And it was still kind of not really, it wasn't active labor. It was just those early signs. So we were sent home again. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got home, we just, again, I had dinner. We put a movie on. It was a comedy. Don't recommend watching a comedy while you've been going into labour. <laughs> Laughing and contractions are not fun. Um, however, I do remember the movie well. Like every time it comes on, I'm like, oh, that was a movie. Um, what was the movie again? It was Dirty watching? Grandpa with Zac Efron oh, and oh, whatever that old guy is. I'm not, I don't yeah. know what his name De Niro? is. Niro? Yeah, I think it's from it's De Niro, maybe. Yeah. I'm not, but yeah, I mean, yeah. And every time we watch it now or it comes on, I just, I think back. And I'm like, oh, that is that movie. <laughs> Flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. So we're um, starting to ramp up a bit. Yeah. Well, they were coming at that every seven minutes. Um, I mean, they weren't, oh, at the time I thought they were super intense. Turns out they weren't really. Um but the movie finished. It was at 10 p.m. We went to bed. My husband fell straight asleep, which was super, I was so annoyed about because I was like, yes. here I am in labor and here you are sleeping. So I was really, you know, again, yeah. I just kind of thought, you know, you have to be with me the whole time. Um, yeah. Not realizing obviously how long the process was. And obviously he needed some sleep as well. He just finished a block at work and, yeah. you know, that was, I mean, I, again, my mind, this is all in going back to my mindset and my mind frame going into it. So, I mean, I started off being annoyed because he was asleep. Um, but so they were kind of coming and going still every, you know, six or seven minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. most of the pain I was feeling was in my lower back. So I was trying a couple of different positions, but I just couldn't relieve any of the pain. Um, and it was about one o'clock in the morning on the Tuesday. Um, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Like I'd said, I, like I, in my mind, I thought I was, you know, ready to have this baby. I was like, yep, the baby's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, So I called the midwife. We went back to the hospital. We got to the hospital and I had another internal examination and I was only four centimeters dilated. So Mm -hmm. I literally, like my heart sank. I was like, oh, I was in my mind. I was so ready to have the baby. And then I got there and I was like, okay, this is going to be hours. Mm-hmm. so I do remember like I in my mind I was like I can't do this like I'm gonna need the drugs like and I instantly felt like I had just failed um mm-hmm. so the birth suites were all occupied when we got there um it was a busy morning to be having yeah. a baby yeah. um so we were in the assessment room and so the only option for like as you go into your pain relief you know you're starting on the gas and you kind of step your way up I didn't mm-hmm. have any of that so I basically had to go straight wow. to a morphine shot um the anesthetist wasn't on like he wasn't around so mm-hmm. i took the morphine shot yeah. um i then had a panic attack after having the morphine shot. oh wow oh. um so that was ruled out um no more morphine shots um yeah. so i got on a gym ball in the in the shower and tried to use some of the water um again there was no gas so i really didn't have any other option um mm-hmm. And yeah. I was in there for about three to four hours um, through the contractions. They were kind of still coming regularly. Um, and I, you know, in my mind, I was hoping that I was progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so four hours later, it was kind of internal examinations every four hours. So it was about six o'clock and the midwife checked and I was still only four centimeters. So um, mm-hmm. at this point, um, the midwife kind of said to me, um, like, it's progressing really slow that I should take the induction drug, so the syntocin on the drip and have an epidural. 
Mm. Um, was she baby kinda... okay in amongst all of this? Like, um... Yeah, I mean, the baby was fine. There was no yeah. concerns with the heart rate or anything like that. It was basically yeah. she, she was like, you know, you, you're going to be pretty tired. You need your yeah. energy to push. Um, and I think this is the best option for you so that yeah. you can kind of get a bit of a break. Yeah. Um, Did you feel really disheartened at this point too, that you had been working just so hard and yes, um, get the 100%. number again for, and yeah, I can imagine, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine, but I could begin to imagine how, yeah, you must've just felt like a punch in the gut and thought, well, yeah. Oh, it totally was like, and I literally, I remember sitting there thinking that I ha- had 100% bailed. Like it was like, you know, oh. you was, you, you know, a woman's body is supposed to be able to do this. Like, why is it not working kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and I have guess, you, sorry, have yeah. you, has your um, mind changed a bit about finding out dilation and um, because yes. I feel like sometimes, yeah, like that number, it's not showing you though how hard you have been working. Like the number yes. hasn't changed, but that doesn't mean other things haven't changed. And um, no. yeah, so sorry. Yep. Yeah, no. And I think obviously like leading up to the second pregnancy and while I was pregnant, um, I did a lot of more research, which I'll talk about later in re- regards yeah. to like, you know, different positions, the atmosphere, the lighting, the smells, who's in the room where you are, those mm-hmm. kind of things. So, yeah. I mean, I was never given the option to go back home again. So I think, you know, maybe if I was given the option to go home, Mm. that maybe in my own environment, I could have progressed, but yeah. um, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. So basically I was, I was kind of told to get an epidural and induce with the Sintosin drugs. And I, I reluctantly agreed, but I did agree. So I, I did give consent for that. And the anesthetist was called. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, a birth suite was finally available. So we got to move to a birth suite and the anesthetist came in, the drip was put in, um, my waters were broken, the epidural was um, administered um, and the contractions came really kind of more regular and intense pretty soon after that. Um, yeah. But the epidural didn't completely work. So um, I could pretty much still feel everything. Um, and because my body wasn't given that time to ease into the intensity of them um, and how short they were now coming, I kind of blacked in and out pretty much oh. through the next four hours of contractions because oh. I literally just couldn't handle the pain. Oh my gosh. Um, so that kind of period, I really don't remember much of whatsoever. Um, this yeah. is kind of going from Corey's, recollection now um it then got to midday and another in so it was another four hours I had another internal examination and I was 10 centimeters finally um and told that I could start pushing Mm -hmm. so immediately and I'm not really sure why but the obstetrician was called um and she was present in the room so Mm -hmm. looking back now um after my second like second birth I you know the obstetrician is not always required so Mm-hmm. anyway the obstetrician was called um so I was lying on the bed on my back I'd had the epidural um which they had pulled out after they realized it wasn't working so it was uh, removed anyway yeah. um but I was on the bed and pushing for some time but I just wasn't making any progress so um mm-hmm. I was told that a the fetal heart rate monitor would be inserted and pierced um the baby's scalp um yeah. to monitor the heart rate um mm-hmm. again i consented to it um Mm -hmm. didn't really know the implications of it but I did consent to it Mm -hmm. yeah um so after that um 
I was told the baby wasn't going to fit. So they mm. had to do an episiotomy um, mm. to get the baby out because it wasn't going to fit. Oh. So the obstetrician then made a very large cut um, and used the forceps to assist with the delivery of the baby. Mm. Um, yeah. What so, was your pain level like? Was the epidurals <laughs> out? Like, how, how did that feel? Uh, so they did give like a local on the site where they did the episiotomy. Um, I mean, I could still kind of feel it, but I mean, there was, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, I guess the, the bulk of the pain was taken away from the small amount of the epidural that I did get and from the local that they yeah. put on. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't a pleasant experience. And I think, you know, having a baby pulled out of you mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you delivering a baby is, you know, um, not ideal and I guess not a fun way to have a baby brought into the world. Um, yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the baby came, um, it was um, 1.08 in the afternoon. Oh, wow, um, yeah. And we had a little boy. Um, oh, so oh, it was in total about 17 hours of labour. Again, the midwife yeah. gave me the Sintosin shot straight away so the placenta could basically be pulled out. Um, yeah. And I guess I did feel some kind of a relief um, yeah. after that. Like I remember the baby being on my chest um, and mm-hmm. I was relieved, but I guess looking back, I remember there's a picture and I can see it on my face. Like I was completely petrified. Like I was responsible yeah. for this human now. And um, yeah. I guess yeah. the fact of being a parent and being a mother was kind of real. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. guess while you're pregnant, you really don't um, grasp the realness of it until you actually have that baby and you're like, okay, I'm responsible for this person now. Yeah. Yeah. So real. And not to mention, it sounds like the hours leading up to him being born was intense. Like if you were like blacking out, it's almost like you were having an out of body experience the whole time. So, um, I feel like, yeah, well, I mean, I really don't remember, you know, the bulk of the last bit of it. Like it was, I remember what I remember, which my husband hates it when I recall this, but what I remember is like laying on the bed on my side, blacking in and out and my mm-hmm. husband sitting across from me, like, you know, there was nothing really that he could do. Um, yeah. Like yeah. that was basically the four hours of the end of my labor. Mm-hmm. So oh, it wasn't wow. fantastic, but I mean, the baby came and the baby was um, healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, yeah. So he was placed on my yeah. chest. Um, and uh, just while the placenta was delivered, we did um, do what I thought was delayed cord clamping. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, when I look back, it was a few minutes. You know, it wasn't really delayed cord clamping. It was to some extent delayed, but it, you know, wasn't the full benefits of it. Yeah. Uh Um, And did you know he was going to be a little boy? No. So we didn't find out either of our babies. Um, I did know though, I like, I kind of just had this feeling he was a boy. Um, I just, there was something that, um, something in me that felt it was a boy. Uh, So the whole pregnancy, um, I was adamant it was a boy. And so, yeah, when the little boy came out, um, my husband obviously was stoked to have a a son (laughs) (laughs) as men always are. (laughs) Um, lovely what um did you have to what what was your postpartum like like did you stay in hospital a while or did you get off to home pretty quick oh no so we did have to stay in the hospital so after I kind of left the um birth suite um Mm -hmm. we the baby was pretty drowsy after he had all his checks like he was taken away while I was sutured um from the episiotomy and done all the checks and then brought back to me 
Mm-hmm. He didn't really latch very well for feed for a few hours. Like he was pretty drowsy um, from the drugs that I'd had during the labor. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did use some of the express colostrum to feed him. Um, okay. And then we did get back to the room in the ward um, in the evening. And my husband left because um, they don't let people stay. Um, and yeah. I just remember thinking to myself, like, what do I do now? Like, what am I supposed yeah. to do? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And... I was really struggling with latching and feeding. Uh, I do have flatter kind of nipples and with the engorgement, um, he just could not latch properly. And like, you know, that was obviously a really struggling time. You know, my Mm -hmm. milk was coming in. Um, I was in the hospital on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. I couldn't feed this baby. This baby kept crying. Mm. Um, So the midwife did suggest using um, a nipple shield at the time. Um, and so I started using nipple shield before I left the hospital to assist with the latching and it did work some of the time. Um, and, but I mean, if you've ever used a nipple shield, it's makes a difficult task even more difficult. So yeah, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were getting like lots of different advice from every midwife on the ward, you know, with shift changes overnight in the morning and I was getting advice, but I was also getting criticism on something that I was doing that midwife before me had told me to do. So I guess it was really overwhelming for me because I didn't know what I was doing and I was taking advice from everybody, but, um, you know, trying to just to see what worked for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It got to the point where, I mean, I was tired. I was frustrated that I couldn't feed this baby, super anxious. So the third day that we were in hospital, my midwife said to me, look, I think you should go home. Um, Look, I'll continue to see you at home. So the part of that um, type of care is that the midwife sees you in your own home for six weeks post-birth. And so I knew someone would come and see us. So I was like, okay, we'll go home. Um, yeah. and I mean, once we were home, it was like an instant relief. Like we, mm-hmm. I felt so much more, um, so much more at calm, um, you know, that anxiety, it didn't all subside, but I mean, it did leave. I didn't mm-hmm. have people kind of coming in and out every few hours just to kind of mm-hmm. see what I was doing or wake me up kind of thing. So that did help, but, um, mm-hmm. I did still struggle obviously with feeding, which with a newborn baby that wants to feed all the time was really Mm -hmm. hard. Um, And I did rely on the nipple shield pretty much every feed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, it was difficult. And I, I guess I really like desperately wanted to breastfeed. That was what I was adamant to doing. And it just Mm -hmm. wasn't coming easier for either of us. And yeah. I think, like, looking back, I didn't really feel that kind of immediate bond with Jackson. Um, and I think because I'd put so much pressure on building that bond through breastfeeding, uh, when it didn't work for us, it was mm-hmm. like like I was failing. Like, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that fairytale motherhood, you know, picture yeah. that I had imagined in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, well he never fed really easily, I guess. Um, so I'll, mm-hmm. to finish that kind of bit of it, um, yeah. he, by the time I was, you know, mentally ready to wean him from using the nipple shield, yeah. he was so used to it that it just didn't happen. And in yeah. the end I gave up. So I continued to feed him with the nipple shield till he was nine months old. 
Wow, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that is a big effort. It wow. was very, very tiring. And it was oh. super like, it used, it, it, I mean, it caused a lot of anxiety. Um, and I think looking back um, with the breastfeeding problems that I had, the birth, ex- birth experience, um, mm-hmm. my six-week discharge, my midwife referred me to my GP um, with mm-hmm. a recommendation to visit a psychologist um, where yeah. both of them suspected that I would, had uh, postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. So having kind of not the birth experience I'd pictured and then the breastfeeding problems um, mm-hmm. and just kind of that I didn't feel like I was really bonding with um, my son and mm-hmm. – yeah, so I visited this psychologist um, from about 10 weeks postpartum yes. um, mm-hmm. on a regular basis. I used to see her once, sometimes twice a week um, yeah, right. yeah. for about 12 weeks. Wow, yeah. Did you find it, it helped? Um, it did to some extent, um, mm-hmm. but the adjustment to being a mum, I mean, it was difficult and it wasn't what I was expected. So, um, yeah. Like when my husband returned to work, I felt super lonely and isolated um, and mm-hmm. I just didn't really feel like myself. Like I'd gone from working full time to being mm-hmm. a stay-at-home mum and yeah. I guess I was just a bit lost in this role and yeah. I didn't really prioritise myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't actually think I was really content in the role of like being a mum um, mm-hmm until probably after Jackson's first birthday. Like it took a good yeah. 12 months before I mm-hmm. was comfortable in the role and comfortable in myself being this new person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it w- definitely wasn't 12 weeks and I was fine. Like it was definitely like, you know, a solid 12 months before I felt myself. Again. Yeah. It almost feels like sometimes it can be a grieving process about the, just the change in life. You know what I mean? Like grieving the end of a part of your life that, you know, it's not going to go back to that ever again. And um, do you yeah. think your birth played a role in your mental health after? A hundred percent. At the yeah. time I was just, again, I was naive. I thought that was just how birth happened. Um, yeah. But being pregnant with the second baby and looking into, I mean, I'd grown up as a person that, you know, the having the postnatal depression definitely um, highlighted, you know, areas in my mind and in my life that needed to change. So I guess yeah. I was more resilient and able to kind of mm-hmm. work through what worked best for me, but also worked well best for the baby. Whereas yeah. my first pregnancy was all about the baby. Um, I just... Yeah didn't consider myself in it at all and how looking mm-hmm. after myself was, was really as important as looking after the baby. Yeah. Yeah. These are like one together. Yeah. 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 And I think there is quite an emphasis though on the baby as a priority. Like, you know, especially like when you're in labor and you're in your in birth, you know, it's what's best for the mm-hmm. baby, but you know, sometimes that's not necessarily the best thing for yeah the mother um and it's almost Um, like that guilt trip like you know make her feel guilty and she'll agree because she's not going to want to put her baby in harm and I mean I'm not saying put your baby at harm but I think Mm -hmm. being being educated enough to know uh you know the implications of a procedure or the implications of like a Mm -hmm. drug used in labor and birth um and knowing you know is that really the right thing like is there an alternative that I could do Mm that is going to be just as helpful but also better for myself yeah and that's the thing too I feel um 
like it's not like women are being lunatics or we're paranoid if we don't trust what the doctor says i feel like the trust has been broken between healthcare providers and women for hundreds of years um yes constantly especially with social media we're so connected with women who are having babies everywhere in the world and there seems to be similar problems everywhere so i feel it's um like women easily get blamed for you know trying to put themselves before their baby and and not trusting our recommendations, but it's kind of like, well, the trust has been broken like many times. And especially women having more than one baby, they've had these incidences happen in previous pregnancies. So the trust erodes and it's so important like to have the trust with your healthcare provider. And yeah, I mean, it really is. And I think exactly that, like having, looking back, I mean, at the time I was, I was young, I was naive, I was uneducated. I just thought it was normal. And it wasn't until you know, we started to talk about having another baby and um, I was looking into, you know, alternatives and um, reading books, listening to podcasts, doing my own research that I really was able to open my mind up and be like, okay, hang on. That wasn't how it was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, not at all was I, I mean, obviously I agreed. There was nothing that was done. Don't get me wrong. Nothing happened to me that I didn't consent to, but yeah, yeah it wasn't necessarily informed consent. Um, Mm. I didn't know all the risks and implications when I was agreeing to something. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So you get pregnant again, a couple of years later. Yes. Um, Yeah. So So we always, yeah, we always wanted more than one, um, one, more than one baby, more than one child. Um, we, because I did struggle so much, you know, after Jackson was born, it Mm. really was about 18 months before, like I felt, mentally prepared to you know even think about having another one yeah so when he was two we thought okay we'll try for another baby so that was uh, 2018 Mm -hmm. um we just figured you know being a little bit older he might understand the adjustment a little bit better and just adapt to the changes of having like a new baby in the house Mm -hmm. shared attention and that kind of stuff so yeah um I had only been back in my role. So I went back to work um, part-time when Jackson was nine months old and then full-time when he was probably 16 months old. Um, I did change roles at work as well. So I guess I was adapting to this new role at work and new leadership and management and that kind of stuff. So I had been back at work 12 months at the end of 2018 when he was two. And I just knew that I, I, there was still work for me to do in a in a career space um before I wanted to have another baby so yeah um I wanted to work through 2019 and then um we decided we would have a baby in 2020 so I'm so OCD that I backtracked (laughs) the math (laughs) (laughs) um and I was like okay so we'll start trying in May 2019 um that'll be our first month that'll guarantee us a baby in you know January February like I'll be able to work the full year um, and yeah. that's, that's how to work. I mean, if it didn't happen straight away, like at least it would be the 2020 vision that I had had in my yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, we were lucky enough to fluke it on the first go. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah. um, so, what a treat compared to your first pregnancy. Like, yeah. Pregnant your first. Lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, like a, it's, you know, it's one of those things that people wish for, you know, to be lucky enough to fall pregnant on the first go. So um, we didn't really have those months and months of trying. Um, and I, after, you know, the ordeal with Jackson and, you know, the postpartum period there, like I was pretty in tune with my body. And I remember yeah. saying to my husband about two weeks after I thought we'd conceived, I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. 
And he's like, oh, how would you even, how would you know? I'm like, I just know. Love um, in my mind though, like I was adamant on being pregnant that I just couldn't handle the fact that if it was a negative test. So we did wait another six weeks before I took, was, you know, oh, courage, wow. courageous enough to take a yep. pregnancy test. Um, yep. So, yeah, so I did take a pregnancy test on my own. So I, I did it one day when Corey was at on night shift. Um, and I got my, so our little boy, um, he, uh, I guess, shared the news with the husband um, when he came home from work the next oh, morning. That's so um, nice. But it was, uh, he'd come running out with the pregnancy test and he's like, Danny, Daddy, it's a baby. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, it was really, it was really sweet to be able to have him kind of, share the news even though like you know we were both talking about it and like I thought I was pregnant or I knew I was pregnant he thought I was kind of thing so um it was still kind of nice though to have him share the news I guess yeah yeah um I um so the pregnancy was it was looking back like it was so easy um I did have pretty uh, moderate kind of morning sickness though up until about 20 weeks but um Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just felt, um, even through that, like though, I just felt, um, I felt fine. Like I, um, yeah. I had lots of energy despite having like a toddler to chase after. Um, mm. it was just, I just felt physically and mentally stronger in myself that it kind of didn't really phase me. Like I yeah. just knew straight away that, you know, my body was able, it was doing what it was supposed to do. And, um, mm-hmm. despite being, you know, feeling sick for 20 weeks, um, I just kind of, I knew that this is what I was going to do. And this was how I was going to have a pregnancy and how I was going to have my baby right from the start. Like I, in my mind, this is what I was doing. Yeah. Nice. Um, it did go super quick though. The second time, I think obviously once you have a baby, you have a yes. one, it just, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that first like baby I, feels like forever until you show. Uh, it does. Until you have it. And I yeah. mean, like, I was hiding a bump from like 10 weeks. Um, wow, yeah. We, and we waited till I was about 18 weeks before we had made any kind of announcement um, publicly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just liked keeping this little secret to myself. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah you know, people were, I mean, I had to tell my boss at like nine weeks because I was like vomiting in my bin at work and he was like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, Oh, um, yeah. And I am like the world's worst liar. So he was like, you've got to give, he's like, I want the actual reason, not the bullshit excuse. Um, so yeah. So, um, Social media posts, obviously, were getting people a little bit, you know, questioning whether or not we were pregnant. So we had to make an announcement. Um, yes. But it was nice to, you know, obviously it was a nice to have our little secret, but also nice to share it with our friends and family as well. So, yeah, nice. Um, yeah. So who, you got a midwife this time or did you yeah. go through? So, the well, yeah. I had initially, you know, having a private obstetrician, at the birth of our first, I initally opted to go in the private clinic through the you know, as the hospital again. Oh, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. So my appointments were regular with the obstetrician from about twelve weeks. Um, yep. They were every fortnight um, in her clinic. Yeah, I did though feel a little like it was a little impersonal after having been with a midwife in the first pregnancy. Like I just felt like I was just going to see a doctor, like there was no connection there. Like I wasn't building any type of, you know, relationship with this person. So 
Mm -hmm. I looked into and asked whether or not there was like a caseload or MGP available again. And there Mm -hmm. was, however, this time you had to apply for it. So I did put in an application and Mm -hmm. was lucky enough to get a spot when I was 18 or 19 weeks pregnant. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I had a midwife again, um, that was solely like dedicated to like my pregnancy. Um, and I visited with her um, every four weeks um, yeah. on a protein kind of thing. Again, I was considered low risk. So I didn't have any issues. Um, I was however sent for another growth and wellbeing scan. Yeah. Okay. Um, it seems to be like a consistent thing um, when I was 35 weeks. So, so it was a few weeks later than the first pregnancy. Um, so yeah. my belly again was really small. They were concerned the baby wasn't um, growing. Um, mm-hmm. And initially the baby's measurements were actually about three weeks behind in the growth charts. And this immediately sparked some talk with the obstetrician about having to have an induction Oh, wow. Um, so, sorry. How Liz, big, sorry, just to, no, that's okay. How big did both babies end up being? Well, so Jackson one? was um, seven pound three and Liv oh. was six pound three. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Jackson was a lot bigger, um, but I mean, he was still, you know, he was still pretty small. Obviously, Liv was, Liv was tiny, but she was still considered yeah. normal um, yeah. on the growth chart. She was just in the, in the lower percentiles. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you had another a scan. Yeah, for that. so I went for a second scan again. So a second scan was ordered at 37 weeks, and the results. Um, I was told if the results came back the same as the first scan, so measuring three weeks behind, that I would have to be induced at 38 weeks. Wow. Um, so being told I had to be induced, like the thought mm. of that was just like I, my anxiety just went through the roof. Like I yep. have done, as I said, a bunch of research into labor and birth options and how those postpartum, like how those options affect you in the postpartum period yeah. and the drugs that are used. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I did have obviously mental health issues in the first one, I just knew that I wanted to avoid this like at all costs. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I was yeah. really lucky. Like the second ultrasound found that the baby's measurements were fine, but just on the smaller side. Um, yeah, I did though feel physically fine. Like I, the baby's movements were fine Mm -hmm. as was the heart rate and the fluid and everything. So I was prepared to fight that decision. Like I wasn't just going Mm -hmm. to say yes to this obstetrician. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had been very upfront with my midwife about the mental health issues I had and making sure that this, um, like remained intact with my second pregnancy and I had her Mm -hmm. full support on this decision, which was really good to have someone, um, Mm -hmm. you know, backing you in your corner when you don't, when you want to go against what someone is recommending. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. That's nice. You had the connection with your midwife too. (laughs) Oh, she was great. (laughs) Um, so So, um, it was really great having her support on that decision. Um, and yeah, like, and obviously like I was open with her about the issues that I'd had and I, I did have a specific birth plan though, going into, um, this pregnancy. Mm Um, I knew, and I had discussed it in depth with my midwife and my husband, um, about what I wanted and how Mm -hmm. I wanted the labor and the birth to progress. Um, yeah, I was very much informed about um, what my rights were this time. Um, and, you know, if I was declined, like I could decline something and I couldn't have anything forced upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I 
didn't want any, I again wanted a vaginal delivery, like with no pain relief um, mm-hmm. or drugs. I didn't want any physical examinations. So I didn't want any internal examinations. Yeah. Um, I declined all the visits to see the doctor. I didn't want to see the doctor. I didn't feel the need that I needed to see a doctor. Yep. Um, and I also didn't want the Sintosin drug in the third stage, the physiological third stage this time. Yeah, um, okay. I just wanted to deliver the placenta naturally in its own time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also wanted the baby to remain on my chest this time. So last time Jackson was taken away. Um, mm-hmm. And this time, like, I didn't want the baby taken. Like, the baby had to stay with me at all costs. Like, and obviously, unless it was an emergency. But yeah, um, I also just, I didn't want kind of any intervention unless, mm-hmm. unless I, unless it was, you know, a dire emergency that either of us were dying. Um, yeah. I just wanted my body to just do its thing and I didn't want anyone to intervene. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was mm-hmm. great that I had the support of the midwife and Corey um, yeah. with that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, and like you've obviously identified the, an induction kind of flies in the face of all of your plans. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously having your body forced to go into labor with the drugs that are, you know, pumped through your body, you know, they recommend you having an epidural at the same time because yeah. um, it, you know, it the intensity sense. goes mm-hmm up so quickly so yeah yeah I mean I had done all the research into how all those drugs um can affect you mentally um and how you feel postpartum and I I mean I didn't want any of them um I was going to avoid them at all costs Mm -hmm. yeah um so you had this this the other scan and they said oh baby's okay for growth um yeah did you start like what was labor like this time the onset of labor um, okay. Was it similar to Jackson's? No. So because I really didn't have any of those signs of labor, like with Jackson, apart from like the irregular contractions, I really, like it was, this one was completely different. Like this one was like your textbook labor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I finished work again at 38 weeks. Um, about five days later. So it was Wednesday. I had an appointment with the midwife again. And yeah. I was kind of like, I felt ready. Like I, my, I felt like my body was ready, even though it was only 38 weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was ready. Like, and I said to the midwife, I'm like, I'm ready to have this baby. Like, what can I do? And, you know, I had been doing all the bouncing and the ball, the walking, the sex, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, nothing was really happening. Yeah. So she, Again, I didn't want the internal examination, but I let her have a look and I said, okay, can you have a look and see if I'm dilated? And I had started to dilate. So she's like, look, I can do a stretch and sweep. We can see if that can go, um, you know, progress anything along. So I mm-hmm. agreed and I had the stretch and sweep done. And yeah. I just kind of continued about my day um, as normal. I didn't try to kind of think about it or stress about it. Um, had a nap and, you know, we just kind of thought, yep, if this works, we're going to meet the baby soon. And um, yeah. That afternoon, I began to feel like the back labor pains that I had with Jackson. And yeah. I, the, you know, the irregular contractions just came and continued into the evening. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously very different the second time, like obviously having another baby at home, like I took some extra time with him and um, like read him a book at bedtime and just kind of explained yeah. to him that, um, you know, like if he wakes up in the morning and mummy and daddy are not here, um, 
Uh, yeah. Eliza's like we have a friend Eliza and he yeah. says Eliza's his best friend so he mm. has a really really good relationship with nice. her so I yeah. said to him like if mummy and daddy are not here you know Eliza will be here mm. um, mm-hmm. but that means mummy's had the baby and you'll get to meet the baby um, yeah. so oh, yeah so he was pretty excited about um you know the thought of having a baby with brother or brother he wanted a brother um, yeah. a baby brother in the morning um, yeah. and yeah so I just kind of took my time with him in the evening and just to you know it would have been the last time that we you know I was a mom of one um, yeah yeah it's emotional I think yeah it's one of those moments like I mean you, you know you'll never get back you know from one to yeah. two two to three three to four like it just kind of keeps going as yeah. you have more but like it's one of those moments that like you know, I put him to bed as like, you know, being my little baby and like, you know, he yeah. wakes up in the morning and he's like a big brother. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I tried to make it like as, you know, special as I could. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But nice. yeah, so we just kind of got ready, went to bed about nine o'clock and I, at this point it was when I was like, okay, like something's happening. I had had some discharge um, mm-hmm. at this point. And so I said to Corey, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely this is the night, like I'm going to go into late, like it's going to kick in. Yeah. Um, so I called Renee, um, who was our birth photographer and obviously yeah. Liza, who was going to watch Jaxie for us so that she kind of knew what was happening. And I'd kind of kept them in the loop throughout the day, like with the stretch and sweep, you know, just yeah. so they kind of knew what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I guess listening to a bunch of podcasts um, and I also read Ina May's Guide to um, Childbirth. Yeah, and so I kind of knew that I just needed to remain calm for the labor to progress, um, yeah. and just try to keep things as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. So I went to bed. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the con- <laughs> you know the contractions were not like super intense. They were coming every seven minutes or so. So I mean they were yeah. mild. So I was able to just go to sleep. Um, yeah, I did wake up a few times though, and uh, the last time I woke up, it was um, one thirty, um, yeah. so this was Thursday morning. Yeah, and I went to the toilet, um, and then I came back to bed, and I was kind of waiting for this trin- um, contraction to come, mm-hmm. and it came and went, um, and then all of a sudden, I literally heard like this popping noise. Wow! Um, and it instantly felt like this release of pressure and this like warm water. And I was like, Oh my God, that was my waters. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, the first pregnancy I had had my waters broken for me. Like Uh, I was, I was standing over a bed and like someone um, put like a needle in there. So I didn't have that feeling or sensation. So that was really different. And I woke my husband up and I was like, I get a towel. Um, (laughs) My waters broke and I just Mm -hmm. kind of got up and I jumped in the shower and waited for the water to stop coming out. Um, the hot water in the shower was also really nice with the contractions, like for some pain relief. Nice. Um, so it was two o'clock and I called the midwife just to say that my waters had broken and she was like, oh, yeah, sweet, just go back to bed. You know, if they yeah. keep coming, just give me a call. Otherwise, I'll see you in the morning. Like, yeah. Super laid back about it. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, but, I mean, from this point, um, they both just, like, the contractions just picked up. Um, awesome. Yeah, so they were about 30 to 45 seconds in duration, but they were coming like every three to four minutes now. Yeah. Um, I actually sit on a gym ball at my desk at work and have done oh, for cool. like oh, probably like 
13, 14 months. Oh, awesome. So yep. a gym ball is, it, you know, it's like my relaxing place. So yeah. I actually bounced on the gym ball through this entire next stage of labor. Nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just a really comfortable position for me and really relaxing because I was so used to it. Yeah, um, yeah. I did also use the heat pack for some counter pressure and counter pressure during the contractions because um, yep. all the pain was in my lower back. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I also, like while I was in this stage of labor, um, I was doing the breathing techniques that I'd you know, read about um, and also like those positive affirmations um, just to kind of make sure like in my mind, like my mind knew that I could do this and like it was something that I was born to do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that really helped. Um, and we also had like a, a meditation track on. Um, mm-hmm. We'd been listening to that before we'd gone to bed um, for about three weeks. So, um, awesome. yeah, I just kind of kept that playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this kind of went on for about an hour and a bit. Um, yeah. And it got to about 20 past three and I just, I was like, I can't do this. Like, you know, it's, it, I can't do it anymore. Like I've got to go to the hospital. I've got to get the epidural. Um, I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. Um, and I remember texting Renee from Corey's phone because I had mine using like the timer app and I was like, yeah. I can't do this. I can't do it. Um, and she kind of texted back and she was so confused because she's like, why can't Corey do it? I'm like, she's like, Corey, what are you doing? Um, but I mean, obviously it was, uh, it was me texting. She didn't realize that though. But um, yeah, so I, I turned to Corey and I was like, we're going to the hospital. I need an epidural. And he turns to me and he goes, don't be ridiculous. Get in the car. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So he was like, don't be ridiculous. So uh, Liza came around. So she was, you know, she, you know, rocked up at about three thirty. So she was really quick. Like I was like, how do you get ready so quickly? Um, but yeah, so she came around and she kind of, she came in where I was and she was like patting me in the back. She was like, you're doing such a good job. And I was like, no, I can't do it. She's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You've got this. Um, but I mean, in my mind at this point, I was so anxious that I'd get to the hospital again and they'd be like, oh, you're four centimeters. You've got miles to go. So, I mean, in my mind, that was all I could think about. And so getting yeah. into the car like as I got up from this ball like I just felt this urge to push and I was like wow. oh my god I was like Corey I'm like I've got to push and he's like don't push <laughs> um and so they kind of hobble me to the car and I get in the car and I'm like fully reclining the chair and I'm like holding myself and I'm like I've got to push he's like yeah. just hold it just hold it um <laughs> So, I mean, I was terrified that, like, I wasn't going to make it to the hospital. Like, I, oh, like, wow. I mean, it's, it's a five-minute drive, but I was like, oh, this couldn't be, like, this could come quicker. Like, you know, hurry up. I'm like, if, you know, there's one red light in town, I'm like, if it's red, just go through it. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So, we got to the hospital and it was 10 past four. And, yeah. like, I was in the car and a contraction came and I waited for it to finish. And there's mm-hmm. that ridiculously long ramp at the back of the maternity. And I yeah. was like to Corey, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I've got to walk up that ramp. <laughs> the famous ramp. Oh, I mean, whoever designed that ramp needs to be fired because it's the worst ramp. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. so I trek up this ramp after all my whinging. Um, and yeah. I'm pressing the button and there's a hilarious photo of this on the CCTVs that cam- um, cameras that Renee got. Yeah. So the door says pull 
and I'm pushing on the door <laughs> and the midwife's on the other side of the door, pushing on the door, trying to tell me to let go of the door. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, once I realized the door said pull and not push and when I got inside. Um, That's a good sign. You're not in your analytical brain or whatever it's called. You're not thinking. Yeah. Good I mean, looking back this whole period, when I look back now, like this whole period was that transition stage that people talk about, you know, the yeah. fear kicks in, the self doubt kicks in. Um, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, obviously afterwards, I was like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we got inside, and I, you know, I'm so stubborn. I was like, I'm walking down this corridor to this birth suite, and the midwife's like, get in the wheelchair. I'm like, I'm not getting in the wheelchair. She's like, get in the wheelchair. Um, and she kind of like peers down at me, and she like lifts up my dress, and she's like, I'm still holding myself, and she lifts up my dress, and she moves my hand, and she goes if you don't get in this wheelchair, you're going to have this baby in the hallway. And oh, I was wow. Like, okay, I'm getting in the wheelchair. <laughs> wow. So, yes, yeah, so I get in the wheelchair and she wheels me down. Um, mm-hmm. She, obviously knowing what pain relief options I'd wanted, um, she had already started the, um, the bath, so in Lovely. the birth suite for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so while that was still filling up, I just kind of got on the, um, I was sitting like backwards on the toilet just with the shower on my back. Um, <laughs> I moved kind of to on my knees in the shower as well. Um, I guess I still felt the urge to push at this point, but I just, I just wasn't ready. Um, I just, in my mind, my mind was just like, no, you can't do it. Like don't push yet. Yeah. So I did kind of at this, like, again, with the transition, like my, I did start to freak out a little bit and I did have to kind of get some reminding and coaching. Um, from the midwife and from Renee to kind of go back to that, like breathing, um, yeah. you know, deep breathing in and out through the contractions to really calm myself down. Yeah. Um, but once I was like calm, the birth pool was ready and I was able to get into the bath. Um, and like the instant relief from the contractions of being in the water was yeah. just surreal. Like it instantly Amazing. just feel like weightless. Um, and the water, like in the, the pain, like pretty much, almost completely subsided like the minute I was in there and I was just so calm like it just I began to focus on my breathing again and like I really really in my mind thought yep I can do this now um so I was in there for about 20 maybe 20 minutes maybe 30 um the contractions were still only 45 seconds but they were starting to get spaced out from before um Mm -hmm. but every contraction I did feel the urge to push so um, a second yeah. midwife came in um, and I guess in my mind, like my body was ready to push, but my mind was ready to push this time. So um, yeah. the second midwife came in um, and mm-hmm. I was asked at this point because the midwife knew that I was, you know, ready to push, ready to have the baby. The midwife mm-hmm. said to me, um, hospital policy, like you can't deliver in the bath. So she said to me, you're mm-hmm. going to have to get out. Yeah. Uh, so Mm. I that immediately was like I can't like I'm not getting out so like I knew that the pain would increase again and I yeah. I knew that that could potentially stall the progression and stall the mindset so mm-hmm. I declined and I said I wasn't getting out and mm-hmm. she's asked me a second time and I said I'm not getting out so she used the Doppler to check the baby's heart rate just to make sure everything was fine because I had declined mm-hmm. and when she confirmed everything was fine she just let me go about my labor, I guess, and let me stay in the bath. She didn't ask again. 
Yeah. Um, so the next few contractions, I just worked to get the baby down. Um, I think it was probably two. Um, and on the third one, was when Olivia started to crown. So I never mm-hmm. felt that with the first one because I had the episiotomy and they just kind of pulled yeah. it out. So yeah. I was, this was definitely the black like, burning ring. I yeah, yeah. cannot even explain it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, once the head was out, like it took another two pushes to get the head out. But once her yeah. head was out, like everyone was kind of, it was just like an awe, like, she didn't know she was born. So she started mm-hmm. opening her eyes and she was looking around. Um, wow. Because the contractions were kind of, you know, three and a half, four minutes apart. Yeah. She, yeah, like she looked around at one point and I could feel her like she was shaking her head backwards and forwards. And um, wow. like Renee's got that on a video, like where she's shaking her head backwards oh and forward God. with her eyes open. So. Yeah. Even Corey, because he was a little bit grossed out about the water birth kind of thing. And <laughs> even he was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so the next contraction came and the midwife is like, you know, this contraction's coming, you know, one big push and you're going to have your baby. And, yeah, so the next contraction came and I pushed and her shoulders came out and her body came out. And, oh, wow. Um, at this point it was um, 5.08. So it was like, you know, just shy of an hour from when I had arrived at the hospital. So wow, it was yeah. all okay. kind of quick. Yeah, um, very quick. Yeah. So I'd also said to the midwife that I wanted to be the one to grab the baby and if I couldn't, I wanted Corey to. Yeah. So because I was in the bath on my own, I didn't want any, inter- like no one touching or intervention. I mm-hmm. kind of reached down between my legs and pulled her out of the water. Wow. Um, the midwife didn't like touch or do anything. She did. The only thing she did was the cord was wrapped around her neck. So she did just unwrap yeah. the cord for me. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, once her. I like pulled her out of the water and she was on my chest, like I kind of sat back and I was just like, wow. It was like this, like euphoric kind of moment just comes over you. Like you've just done this. Like, oh, you know, you're like a machine. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I guess I was, I was so proud of myself coming from yeah. the first birth where. I needed so much help and so much intervention that this time I did it exactly how I wanted. And I guess I was just really proud of myself. Oh, absolutely. Wow. That is just amazing. And to even like you pulled your baby out and like put her on your own chest. Like that's just so beautiful. Yeah. I had like, it was, I mean, at that point, like I was so proud of myself, but I was also really, and I didn't get this feeling with Jackson, which is, you know, I guess how important it is to have such a really good birth experience. But like in that moment, I just felt really proud to be, um, (laughs) to be a woman and to be a mother. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. And this is just such a stark difference to you said, like there's even a photo of you after Jackson was born and just how you felt after that delivery, like just, and it's, yeah. I know the word's really like jarring, but it kind of is like a violent way to have a baby, to have somebody pull them out with forceps, which is often, you know, it's life-saving, 
But um, yeah. I can't imagine feeling like that, being cut open and having pulled out to that. Like it's just phenomenal. Like just yeah, I mean, it is yeah. life saving, but in some extent, to some extent, I think it is too routine. Like um, four yes. sets and assisted delivery is just too routine. And uh-huh. I mean, the look on my face in that picture of Jackson yeah. when he was born, like I was petrified. Like yeah. I look back at it and I hate the photo. Like it just yeah, it kills me every time I look at it. But I mean, there's a photo of like Liv when she's on uh-huh. my chest. Um, after like I delivered her and I pulled her out of the water and it's yeah like it's just sheer relief and like I was just so proud of myself yeah exhilaration oh that's amazing oh how beautiful um and so how'd the placenta go uh, so I stayed in the water for about 10 minutes after that but I mean after the I'm sorry we didn't know we were having a girl either so oh um, we kind of, the midwife was like, oh, what did you have? Um, oh. As I was kind of holding her on my chest and Corey was behind me and we kind of both had a look and uh, like yeah. I start crying and I'm like, it's a girl. I knew it was a girl. Oh. Um, and yes, yeah, so Renee got that on our birth film as well. And like oh, every lovely. time I hear myself say it, I just start crying. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, it was about nice. 10 minutes. And yeah. I guess the the adrenaline wore off and I just, I started to get really cold um, and I started to yeah. shake. And so at that yeah. point I said, like, I want to get out of the water. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. placenta still in, cord still intact. Um, I was lifted out of the bath because I literally, like, I couldn't pick myself up. So I had uh, four yeah. people, like, lift me out of the bath and I kind of walked over to the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of laid in a warm blanket. and. Nice. I didn't want that injection again. So I wanted mm-hmm. to deliver that placenta naturally. So it was about 40 minutes later. Um, yeah. The cord had stopped like pulsating. Um, yeah. And the midwife recommended that we cut the cord just to kind of encourage the delivery of the placenta. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Corey cut the cord um, and it was literally about five minutes later. Um, I had the like delivered the placenta. Um, yep. So that labor in total was three and a half hours in comparison to wow. Jackson's 17 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And what, um, could you get any more mother led birth in hospital? It's yeah. phenomenal. Like, yeah. I, know. I just, I remember in Renee's podcast when she had the twins and she wanted to like scream out the window that she just did that. Like yeah. it was, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I turned to her and I was like, I just want to scream that I just did that. Like, yes. um, I yeah. mean, that's the feeling that I got and I never got that with Jackson. And so like, I just, that's why it is so important to have yeah. that really, really good experience. Um, what I mean, I, I literally, I wanted to scream out the window. Like I wanted to <laughs> scream in the halls that like, I just did this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, I think, and it was exactly how I had wanted it. Like that's, you know, what I had, perfect. that's what in my mind I had pictured, this, you know, I didn't want any assistance. I didn't want any drugs and it was just exactly how I wanted. You just manifested that. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It's such an easy way to enter motherhood too. When you feel that powerful and strong, it's, you go yeah, into I mean, motherhood, it you know, um, it, it definitely makes you feel like you can do this. And like, you know, that second or that, you know, the fourth stage of pregnancy, they call it, you know, when you have that baby in that postpartum period, I mean, it is, mm-hmm. it is hard. And I think like when you yeah. have that, that really, really good birth and like you have that, you know, you are, you feel powerful and you, you, know, yeah. you can do this. And I guess that, like you said, it manifests in your mind. And I guess that really helps 
mm-hmm. get through those first few weeks of you know yeah. adjusting to to newborn life again because I mean you've yeah. kinda, you you forget about it when you have kids that are older mm-hmm. that are a little bit more self sufficient. <laughs> yeah, yep. Those tough days or the days when I don't feel great and I don't feel like I'm you know winning at mum life um you know all I've got to do is like watch the first minute of that video yeah um, that Renee gave us and I mean you just you I go back to that feeling and the way that I felt and it just is like an instant pick me up um yeah yeah to like you know in your mind like I can do this like this is what I just did so yeah you know when you're a first-time mother especially like you know you just assume that you know what the doctor says is how it goes or what you've seen in a movie or you know what you've kind of read because you really don't know what what you're getting yourself into and you don't know what to research and you don't know what alternatives to look at so you know if you can have that circle of knowledge around you of other people's experiences it's really helpful yeah 100 percent um and what was breastfeeding like with bub Olivia and well she's still so little like how's it going yeah no so um she latched to the breast like literally like you know by herself wow. it was very unassisted um oh, and no. she began like suckling straight away um mm-hmm. and I managed to feel like so I fed her from both breasts like about 30 it was not long after the placenta came out so it would have been about 10 minutes later um yeah. and yeah so she fed for over an hour and Awesome. I was quite happy at that point to take, have the midwife take her and do the kind of weigh and check. And then, you know, Corey kind of went and oversaw that. And then he kind of got to have a little bit of a cuddle and I had something to eat. I mean, they, they give you like, you know, toast and a cup of tea, which sounds, you know, not very exciting, but when you're just giving birth, it's like, yeah, good off of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at this point, Renee kind of left. She had the school run to do. So she um, went to do the, um, you know, back to her kids. And Eliza yeah. came with Jackson at this point and he came in to meet his little sister. And the first thing he said was, is it a brother? Oh. And I'm like, no, buddy, it's not a brother. Yeah. And he's like, well, can we give it back? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we can't give it back. Oh, that's so funny. Um, and then he was just, he was far more interested in um, everything else that was in the room. And our midwife, he yeah. really, he really um, got on and really liked our midwife. So he nice. was far more interested in what she was doing. So he just kind of was like, oh yeah, it's a sister. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, how lovely. And did you hmm. stay in hospital for long? No, so my midwife in one of my appointments had actually suggested to me a six-hour discharge, which I thought she was crazy. Yeah. Um, and she's like, no, look, hear me out. And after hearing her out, um, I requested the discharge once the pediatricians had checked live. Like, I didn't want to stay in the hospital. I had that, you know, really bad experience from being in hospital with Jackson and I just didn't want to go back to that place. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I opted for the six-hour discharge. So she cool. was born at our 508 and we left the hospital like just before midday um i went to the post office on my way home (laughs) to get a parcel that the postie had tried to deliver that morning um but yeah i mean they were a little bit concerned about her blood oxygen level because it had fluctuated a little bit you know just post-birth um in the low Mm -hmm. to normal range but um after it maintained a steady level um they gave her the all clears to leave the hospital Um, and so we went home wonderful oh wow that's a beautiful story I I know that I I did breach the hospital policies but and I mean obviously it's it's, um, 
Yeah. It's caused quite a bit of controversy, um, (laughs) but it was Mm. the best decision for me and it was the best decision for my baby. And I knew that I knew that I was fine. I knew the baby was Mm -hmm. fine. I had the midwife check that the midwife checked the baby was fine. And there was no immediate risk or danger to me or the baby. And like, yeah. yeah, So I was extremely grateful that both of the Mm -hmm. midwives, I mean, mine, obviously I knew she would advocate for me, but obviously the second midwife, um, that she yeah. respected my decision and respected Ooh, my uh-huh. wish to let me stay in the bath. Yeah, yeah. It's um really like, yeah, it's such a tricky situation. Like, <laughs> And you know what? The last thing you should be thinking about when you're having a baby is, am I breaching hospital policy? <laughs> like, you should yeah. not be thinking about that. You've got a job to do and you're doing, you're giving birth. Like, you shouldn't even be thinking about that. So, um, yeah. which, yeah. Um, I feel like so many people will take so much from your story. Just you've had two such vastly different experiences. So um, mm. thank you so much for sharing it all. It's just been lovely to talk to you. Oh, that's okay. I'm happy to share my story. It's one that, um, like you say, you know, I hope that one day when, you know, maybe Jackson will listen, maybe he won't, but you know, you know, I hope Liv listens to one day and, you know, when she's pregnant and having a baby. And so, you know, she knows that she can do it and she knows, you know, what her rights are and that she can have her baby the way she wants. Yeah. It's been lovely to talk to you. So thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 